Comics are cool, though. I like comics. Sure, yeah. I'm trying to get some more Definitely. ones. If you yeah. haven't read comic books, how you're missing out, because it's like... I like Watchmen. I've read It's Watchmen. like a book, but there's way less words. Yeah, it's and great. more pictures. And way more pictures. You don't have to, like, imagine it, you know? Yeah, it's just there for you. When you read a book, I'm yeah. curious about this, because I've, I've heard different okay. things from different people. Do you, like... Are you... Like imagining the whole thing in your head, like it's a scene. No, not really. Yeah, I don't either. But I've heard a lot of people do. Um, maybe after the fact, like when I think about it more, like if I think about it, then I will think of the scene. Right. But it's very, very infrequent that I'm actually reading the words and it's registering as like an image in my mind. Yeah. Well, I get like fragments of images usually. Yeah, like people screaming. Like, like yeah. strange memories from before you. Voices talking in my head. Yeah. Stop yeah. reading. <laughs> you don't need to read. Play Persona. <laughs> and then I do. Because yeah. Persona is so much fun. And it's always a good call. I, I just blazed through like so much of Persona 4 yesterday. I just like, I hadn't played it for like a week and a half. And mm -hmm. then I was just like, all morning I, <laughs> I just play, I just woke up and played it. And I was like, all right, I That's need sick. to, I need to do something else. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Sure. It's a great... There, I mean, I haven't played 4, but I yeah. assume it's a great game because 5 is a great game. Yeah. How many hours are you in? I'm at like 46 now. I've had it since June. Nice. I'm at, I think, 43. Wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> holy shit. I've been playing it a lot, dude. For those, for those out there who don't know, I've had Persona 4 since like the Steam summer sale, and Nate has had Persona 5 for like maybe two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's a lot of fun, man. What can I say? <laughs> no, it is. It is a lot of fun, especially now. It's perfect. It's just like a friend simulator. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so long that I feel like I couldn't justify it um, in normal times. I mean, now that I've played this, I will when Persona 6 comes out. Right. But I mean, if you know, it could still not be normal times by the time that game comes out. Nah. But anyway, um, you know, maybe we'll never have normal times again. But I mean... You I mean, know, hey, let who's me, thinking about that? Let me throw this out there. Um, and I don't I apologize for people back home who might be, you know, challenged by this, but um what is normal? Oh shit. Yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and drop that there. Dude, Boom. new normal? How can there be a new normal if there was no normal? You know what I mean? Uh I think it was Dali actually who said this, but he said normal <laughs> is just a setting on a washing machine. Mm. I heard um David Lynch say normal is just a setting on a video camera. <laughs> it's interesting, huh? I believe that. He did. Yeah. And the weird thing is that he didn't even know the Dali quote. Yeah, he it's said that crazy. he said that he didn't know Dali existed outside of a dream that he had one time. Yeah. Which was, he said it wasn't even a good dream. Yeah, he said that he came up with Dali on his own before he knew who Dali <laughs> actually was. Just went into the collective unconscious. Yeah, which is pulled, just like pulled him out of there. Astounding. Astounding yeah. to think about. <laughs> Anyway, um, dude, I don't know why Persona is so compelling because I feel like when I think about it, it shouldn't be because it's sort of like the I mean, they, they're always adding new mechanics and the story is a big part. And like, like we said, the interactions between characters, but the actual gameplay loop is kind of repetitive, but it's still just so fun. I, I think the length of it, I mean, it, it is one of those things that like, it, you know, it's not necessarily a guilty pleasure, but it is one of those things that's kind of like. When you try to explain to other people why it's so good, you just sound like a freak. You sound like, like you a fucking weeb. Like you should live in a barrel or something. Yeah. 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 You sound like the Marvel fanboys, but 
more perverted because it's in high school. <laughs> well, now that we've lost our audience, now that we've lost Derek. Thank God. Actually, um, Anthony, dude, Anthony listens to this. He was telling me. <laughs> what a fucking loser. He fucks with it. <laughs> I want to um, do something, but if anybody likes it, they're stupid. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm doing this ironically. Can you imagine? Dude, irony is poisoning our fucking world, but anyway. Welcome back to Talkie Talk, guys. Welcome back. We missed you. Talkie Talk. I hope you missed us too, because I didn't edit an episode for like three weeks. <sighs> you won't hear this for like another three months anyway. But it's a big one. And Just it's how a great I release. One, so, you know. It is a big one. I'd like to make it smaller before we release it. <laughs> well, but, you, you parsed hey. it down from like three hours to an hour and a half, didn't you? That's true. It was like two hours, 40 minutes. But yeah, now I got rid of a lot of it. You made it easy because you were stuffing your face for the first like 30 minutes. That's, cut it. that's a lie. That's a gosh darn lie. Well, you you did me a favor. I'm complimenting you right now, uh, Tyler. Prove it. Release the uncut version and prove it for the people back home. <laughs> Release the Tyler cut. <laughs> Speaking of proving things in a court of law-esque situation, Ooh. Um, this week... Wow, you cracked me up, buddy. We watched uh, Paths of Glory, which is... That is related to the segue, um, so I That's can't. That's the one I can't vouch yeah. for uh, Casino Royale, which is not really related to that segue, but was also a movie we watched this week. Well, you have to prove uh, that he's a criminal or something. Tell huh? us about your movie, Tyler. I just so okay. This is a th- This is pertinent because it just I use the same lubriderm that I used to use to like jerk off with as a kid in high school, mm-hmm. as a young adult in high school. That's what we call them now after now, we play Persona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I strictly <laughs> use it to. just to moisturize, but the scent is like so ingrained in my mind that I it's like Pavlovian, mm. and now I'm like excited. I never used, I never had to use um, lubricant. Are you circumcised? No. Yeah, see, there you go. Shit just slides, bro. Shit's, great. Just, shit's just fucked. Just slipping and sliding. Yeah. Where's <laughs> so my foreskin? Week- this I don't week, know. <laughs> get it back. Give it back. The hunt for the lost forest. <laughs> you know they just have like it's like a demonic garden where they just plant that stuff. And like, I want you have to wonder like, do they have a foreskin bag at every hospital? Mm, like where do they put them? <laughs> yeah. Where can I get it back? Well, can you get it back? I'll help you. Yeah. We can do something like Casino Royale where we like go in a worldwide poker game to win your foreskin and <laughs> to find the the fabled foreskin yeah and we find out that it's part of a large conspiracy <laughs> i'm down like chinatown join us next time yeah let's wrap it up for today we need yeah. to get prepping for that we need to figure this out um so this week we watched i picked casino royale 2006 bond movie it's the first movie in the uh daniel craig reboot or i don't know they there's like this whole thing where it's like, oh, James Bond is a code name. And they kind of. D- yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't care. Anyway. <laughs> Just call it the Craig universe. <laughs> yeah. The Craig multiverse. Um, the director, it was directed by Martin Campbell. It was written by Neil Purvis, uh, Robert Wade. And it says two more credits. I'll take a look. I'll bite. And Paul Haggis. Oh, that's the best one. <laughs> Paul Haggis. I like that. And uh, obviously based on the novel by Ian Fleming, not as cool of a name. Um, name. The uh, summary for this one, after earning double O status in a license to kill, it's misspelled, by the way, L-I-C-E-N-C-E, 
Secret agent James Bond sets out on his first mission as 007. Bond must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high-stakes game of poker at Casino Royale Montenegro. Tyler, what did you pick? Well, Nate, this week I uh, picked uh, Paths of Glory. It's a 1957 piece, uh, one of Kubrick's first movies he's uh, directed, I believe. Um, the IMDb description says, After refusing to attack an enemy position, a general accuses the soldiers of cowardice, and their commanding officer must defend them. Uh, director is Stanley Kubrick, as I previously stated. The writers are also Stanley Kubrick, Calder Willingham, and there's two more credits. I just clicked the link, so give me a second. Uh, coming after Calder Willingham is Jim Thompson and uh, Humphrey Cobb. Now, Humphrey Cobb didn't write the screenplay, but the screenplay was based on the novel that he wrote, which shares the same name, Paths of Glory. Uh, it's starring Kirk Douglas and a bunch of other people whose names won't be recognized. So uh, that's Paths of Glory. came out in 1957. Dude, that's the issue with Hollywood right now. There's no original ideas. It's always based off of a book or a sequel. <laughs> bullshit almost all of stanley kubrick's stuff is based off of a book i'm pretty sure yeah <laughs> yeah dude had zero original ideas um just kidding guys Fuck it, he did pretty good and apparently according to stephen king he bastardized uh the shining so i guess Look, that's original the shining's a good book it's a good movie I like Stephen King, but he can fuck off in that regard like <laughs> yeah no dude he loved i i saw this um this article about how he really liked the new Pet Cemetery movie. I went to see it. Fucking terrible. Yeah. So bad. It came out like a year or two ago. Just no good. Now that's interesting because the original Pet Cemetery, believe it or not, was also really bad. So. I bet. <laughs> Maybe it's just not a good story. Yeah. yeah. Just a bad story. Yeah. I mean, it's like a novella, I think. It's like that. I don't know. Yeah. I never get that when they try to like extend a short story to a movie. Sort of like Blade Runner. In huh. Bruges. In Bruges was a short play. Oh, really? Yeah. called. Well, it was based off of a short play called The Dumbo Waiter, and then it was expanded. But, you know, he took the idea and then ran with it and then wrote a whole story around it. He didn't, like, right. use the same story, per se. And just draw it out. Yeah. That's a great movie. That's one of the best ever. Yeah, I'm going to give a quick agree with that. Um, yeah. But I heard that Blade Runner, for one of my friends had read the book it was based off of, and he said that the movie really uh expanded on it in a good way so mm. yeah i believe him so where would you like to start today i think we could start with paths of glory and then move on to bond because i think bond will be like a more fun discussion yeah i agree cool get the meat out of the way yeah the rotting fucking mag covered meat trench foot um trench foot souffle cool i'll do my quick impression then oh yeah i forgot about the shit <laughs> All right, I liked Paz, Paz of Gory a good bit. Wow, I'm going to fucking start <laughs> Keep that in. Jesus that's, that's Christ. Saying. I will, but I'm, I'm fucking hell. Paz of Glory. I liked Paths of Glory quite a bit. Um, I thought it was a little messy, but I uh, overall, I think it had a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, I could definitely tell it was an earlier movie of Kubrick's, but I think you could also see a lot of the um, origin, a lot of his techniques starting there blood uh burgeoning 22 seconds gotta get well that's length my brain's a little foggy today yeah 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 no problem take a sip of my water <clears throat> okay and here's mine 
I also liked it quite a bit. I thought that the strongest elements were definitely the visuals and just how it was, everything was conveyed visually. I think the weakest elements was possibly some of the supporting acting and some of the script. 12 seconds and 66 milliseconds. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like your seconds were way longer than mine were. Also, why the... Like, I get that black and white can kind of be like a cool stylistic choice, but it's kind of overplayed at this point. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Put some color in it, man. Yeah, for God's sakes. Just pop it in. I mean, Wizard of Oz came out a while ago. Just manually color grade each <laughs> fucking frame like they used to do. I want to see. I want to see the dirt really pop. <laughs> that shit was pretty cool. Color tinting. I like that stuff. Yeah, like um, the fucking what is it? The Voyage to the Moon or whatever, where they just went in and just actually colored all the cells. Trip to the Moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. George Melier for you non-film students. It's a cool movie. We watched it in class. It's a cool little movie, especially with like, oh. at the time, their capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a pretty controversial statement, but hey, have you, have you heard of this movie, Citizen Kane? Is that the one with the moon? <laughs> Featuring George Melier. And his merry men. <laughs> Melier's merry men. Yeah. They invented the moon, actually. Just go to Disney World sometime. Yeah. Special episode. <laughs> Special Disney World episode. Yeah. Go to Disney and catch the plague. I'm down. Got if you're gonna okay if you're gonna get it you might as well get it at Disney World though that's true I just love the image of having like a big Mickey Mouse costume guy with the the big smile handing out masks to people <laughs> honestly <laughs> so dystopian I think one of the safest places in the world to be is probably in a Mickey Mouse um, costume right now <laughs> for real Walt Disney World is actually open furries right now. are on to something. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they opened pretty quick, too. It's kind of fucked up. This is what makes the furries outlive all of us. Yeah. Just like cockroaches. cockroaches. Whoa. Whoa. And like morality and quality and and, um, right to live as a species. Anyway, let's talk about Paths of Glory. Okay. We have to like this movie. That's the crazy thing about it. That's the crazy thing. I will say that this this was... (laughs) This was better than uh, I watched The Killing by Kubrick, which was in the similar uh, same time frame, I believe. And I liked this one a lot more. I thought this one had a lot more going on. I was kind of expecting it to be like The Killing, which wasn't a bad movie. I liked the ending of that movie a lot, but I felt like this was um, much better than that. I did feel like it was a little bit all over the map, like I said. Um, but I think my favorite part was actually the court segment of that movie. I liked how, I mean, it was different from other courtroom movies where basically what he said didn't matter, but I feel like that scene was about sort of planting those seeds of guilt in those people, even if it doesn't change them in the moment. And I think it ties into the very last scene, which is might be my favorite scene, where they bring out the German girl that they basically captured, I think, and um, all the French soldiers are catcalling her and being really like threateningly uh, aggressive towards her, mocking her, um, you know, making sexual comments. And they're like, oh, sing for us, sing for us. And she starts singing and it just slowly sinks in. They all start humming along with her, which that scene actually made me tear up a little bit. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's another, I think that relates back to the courtroom scene where, you know, the commander's coming to pull them out of the room and he's like, just let them stay for a little bit longer. And I think it's about him realizing that he can't make big sudden changes and it has to be these little incremental things of the doubt starting to sink in. Mm. And I think it was it was almost like Chinatown in a way thematically, where it was almost like the less you rock the boat, 
the better sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, it's an interesting read of that because I I felt uh, it's funny because this is usually your shtick, <laughs> but I read it as like more hopeless than that because it just felt like it felt like it was like a catharsis before they head back into into battle again because he just gets like you know he he obviously gets shoved back into battle because he refused to take the job right and i think they're clearly kind of just like hoping that if he stays on the front line long enough he'll just get killed right and i felt that he was like i don't know yeah i don't know if i felt like he saw not that he didn't see hope because i think that the hope that he would have in that scene would just be like his ability to try and just keep his not keep his head down but to keep you know head strong and keep charging through and mm. lead his men as well as he can while he's on the front. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that scene definitely struck a chord with me, but it didn't feel as though it was as related to the rest of his struggle for me as so much as it was, it felt like kind of a little coda on the end that felt more general to war, the idea of war in general, of just the small little pauses in between the chaos. I can see that. Yeah, I mean- It's a more general reading. It's not as related, I feel like, but- I mean, you need a certain level of intelligence to make connections in a there film, we go. you know what I mean? No, but <laughs> but seriously, um, no, I don't think it was particularly hopeful. I mean, in comparing it to Chinatown, like, I mean, Chinatown's one of the most uh, hopeless movies <laughs> I feel like I've ever seen. <laughs> but this felt like it had a little more of a glimmer of hope to it, where he's realizing really that he's fucked, but I think hoping that eventually something will change because he sees that at least in the men in the front lines, this is kind of uh, contradicting what I just said, actually. Go but ahead. I think when he's in the court, now that I think about it, it's like he's sort of talking to a brick wall and they're not showing any signs of um, really caring or changing their minds. And, you know, you see the whole execution followed through, which again was a very disturbing sequence. That was a fantastic scene. And how long it's drawn out to and like, yeah, but so there's that sort of hopelessness. But I think the glimmer of hope is that he sees that the actual men on the front lines who this is negatively affecting have some humanity left in them. So I think that's where the hope comes in. But I do think it is still a little desolate in that he knows he's not going to be able to change it. And he probably will just die um, before it changes. Yeah, I, I felt like it was much more like if there was hope, it kind of lies in him and the people on the front line. Yeah. And he kind of becomes disillusioned with the idea that if he brings um, a good case or like enough um, energy to dealing with the higher ups, that it'll change anything. Because it's clear that, which I love in the scene when he, because he originally brings that kind of blackmail to the highest up, I guess he's a general or something to try and like basically make a plea bargain so because he's basically saying like who does the buck mm. stop with at this point hoping that like instead he'll just be like okay let's not kill anybody right and then the guy flips and he's like okay well we'll just kill everybody who's at fault then and then and then the other general yeah. ends up getting <laughs> shot uh, ends up yeah. well, he doesn't get shot in the movie but it's i feel like it's pretty heavily implied that he's like fucked yeah right because they're like oh we'll investigate it i'm sure if you're innocent it won't be yeah. a problem <laughs> um but yeah you're talking about when he the commander who's act like on the the good side of things comes with the proof that his higher up commanded the men to fire on their own troops and that the people on the other end refused and yeah i thought that was a really interesting cuz i really did expect like oh he's got him and like the highest higher up is like he closes the door and he's like okay we got to like deal with this but then it cuts to the prison and i'm expecting them to come let them out 
and they don't. And the whole time that is leading up to the execution, you lose hope as it goes on. But at first I was waiting for somebody to come out and say, no, like, call it off. Like, we're not going to do this. And they never do. And it just, and that's part of why I think the length of that scene worked so well is because I was still, there was still a little bit of hope that somebody would come out and tell them to call it off. Yeah. Uh, But they never do. Yeah. And it's just so, like, up until they start killing them, that was when I was like, okay, there's no chance. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that the, that whole, it's funny that they jump right to that uh, scene. Like, there's no, no footage or any scenes where it shows uh, any deliberation on the idea of, of that new information being used. Mm. Like, you, you think that it comes in and it's like, okay, well, let's see how this develops. And it, like, doesn't at all. Right. And then they just yeah. die anyway. Yeah. But that whole scene is so lengthy and so long. It's almost like Farquaad's wedding in Shrek 1. Saw a lot of parallels to that where <laughs> Shrek barges in and says objection. But there, you know, there is no Shrek in this movie, which is a, a shame. I still I still have not seen that movie and I never really? will. Really? I never will. No, Shrek Shrek 1 and 2 are both pretty good, I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of uh fart jokes and I think that those are mostly Oh yeah, you're above that. Fart jokes. I mean, I think most people are who aren't who aren't children. To be fair, you have not seen the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, if I recall correctly, <laughs> so no, I've seen it so many times. Like one of my favorites, <laughs> dude. Shrek two, greatest movie of all time. I think. Weren't you just saying that irony is a poison? See, see, but oh, sarcastic what is humor. Is no, 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 no. Oh, sarcastic humor God. is different should I, should I, from having I, an I, ironic disposition. Because having an ironic disposition, <laughs> nah, I'm so serious. It's like when you can't do anything genuinely in everything you do. <laughs> I'm gonna start yelling. This better stay in. Everything you do, of course it will. I'm trying to tell the world, bro. Everything you do is hidden behind this veil of irony. So if somebody's like, that's kind of cringe you're like oh but i was doing it ironically instead of just having convictions and doing things with your full force as a human being okay so you sarcastic humor is different so basically what you're saying is that your unfounded opinion on shrek is a representation of the full force of your being yes that's pretty cringe dude yeah and you can't oh i was just kidding bro (laughs) i was just doing it ironically (laughs) my bad dude (laughs) (laughs) it goes in circles um anyway that's the that thing. Even if I don't know what the, even if I don't know, it will. It will. Even if I don't know what the fuck I'm talking you about, still I'm, talk. gonna, I'm gonna do it with full conviction, no matter what. Yeah, that's it's more fun that way. <laughs> it's more fun that way. <laughs> and that way I can't be critiqued because I'm doing it with the full force of my passion. <laughs> I I can be critiqued. I'm just not being a hypocrite. That's, that's I think that you is. are. No. You're doing this, uh, you're, you're justifying your actions in the same way someone who's heavily ironic is, but you're just replacing ironic no, and I passionate. Stand, no, 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 because no, I stand behind <laughs> it. I genuinely stand behind it. You're standing behind, behind an it. opinion that's unfounded. You've never seen this movie. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That That yes. is... Absolutely. I think that, that takes courage. shameful. I think it takes courage, and I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to, I'm willing to speak up when nobody else will, you know? You're so brave. Anyway, I agree, though. I think it is like that scene that you're describing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're expecting someone to come in and call it off because it's taking so long. Like, all right, it's gonna do, be the big reveal. Do you think that's what? It, do you think that's what happens in the wedding scene in Shrek? I don't give a shit. <laughs> but it's not, and it and they they die while whimpering. Is and this dude, Shrek? They execute or is this the fucking glory? brain dead. <laughs> Let's call it off. We're done. I'm down. It's over. This is what breaks the. Podcast. I'm gonna go play Persona. Yeah, you, me. Um, <laughs> 
Oh my god. You're just wow. upset that I called you out for having an ironic disposition, Tyler. That is not what this is about. That is this No, is, I don't think you I don't think you do. This this regardless well, of, sometimes regardless of what you think, it is you defending your opinion on Shrek, which is a movie you have not seen, with yeah, some I don't give a weird ideological nah, nah, mumbo whatever. jumbo. But anyway. Nah, whatever. It was a great scene. Yeah, I love the brain dead guy was the best part of the movie, pretty much. Yeah, like you're still gonna execute him? Like, yeah, just slap him a little before he wakes up. So he wakes up. We want him to be alive when it happens. Yeah. What? Yeah, that it's so fucked up. Yeah. That is um the scene or uh, the shot specifically of all like passing the rows of people mm. and they're all looking directly into the camera. Yeah. As as you're just like wa- you have like the dead man walking perspective was probably my favorite part of the movie. I thought that was great. Yeah. And I like that too because it really hammers home the fact that they're all bystanders to this completely unjust execution that's happening in front of them. Um and they all know because it's it was a random selection out of their different squads. Yeah. So they know these people don't deserve it. Yeah. But they're all just standing by and playing the song and, and just honoring this thing that is so despicable. It was great. Yeah. Um, what else? Well, that was Passive Glory. That's um, it. <laughs> no. No. Uh, um, I really liked the another scene I really liked. I liked the um, when that commander first comes in to the trenches and there's that tracking shot. Yeah. of them walking down yeah. and there's all these different setups of people doing different things. It was cool. It was almost like a, um, it felt like set up, but in a really cool way where it was showing you like all the different things that were happening mm-hmm. in the war through just these little character moments as they were walking. And it's like all these character moments were just as important as the two of them walking down. And it's like, you got basically got to see two like different scenes at the same time, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that is um that was the only thing that I knew about this movie before watching it was people often talk about the like walking through the trenches segment. Mm. I think they more talk about when Kirk Douglas is doing it than the cuz there's two segments of it really of the Kirk Douglas does it later, but then the real jerk guy in the beginning does it as well and he's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think that was the I really enjoyed that scene, but again, I think that like I don't know. I almost wonder because I mean, movies have been around for a long time, so I'm not gonna act like this. This was yeah, since like 1950 at least. Whenever yeah. Kubrick started, I think that was is when what's been, film was yeah. invented. But 57 is like definitely later ish, so I feel like people had adapted yeah. to acting on screen for the most part. But a lot of the acting felt like very <laughs> 60 years later. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, okay, real <laughs> film didn't start until like let's. I'm going to say Wizard of Oz came out and what, like, (laughs) no, but I'm just saying like a lot of the acting felt like almost vaudevillian at certain points just because it was like like hammy. The, um, yeah, the guy, I mean, that's still, you still see that in, um, 1950s movies. Although interestingly, I'll send you the footage of this. I watched this meeting, this real footage of this, um, union meeting of these union guys with these politicians and they just act like they do in movies. Like, that's just how they were. Huh. <laughs> just, like, kind of larger than life. It's the power of the camera. Like, kind of quippy, <laughs> even. Just the way they're... I was like, this almost seems like it could be a movie. Huh. And it just isn't. Or was it? It was very, it was very odd. It was, it was a, definitely a different perspective on that style of acting. Huh. Or maybe that was sort of more... I mean, obviously, it wasn't as exaggerated, but it, you could still kind of see it. I was like, oh, this... I can kind of get it a little bit more now. Yeah, I guess I'm... I, I'm 
specifically referencing the part in the in the first walking through the trenches scene where the guy is like basically inspecting all the soldiers and he's being like doing well how are we doing private yeah. and then one guy's like hi uh my wife uh oh oh my yeah. wife oh, yeah. oh and he kind of almost reminded me of like rodney dangerfield or something like he was <laughs> yeah. just very hammy yeah and he was supposed to be shell-shocked but like it didn't really like land for me he seemed too like purposefully neurotic well i think i think that was supposed to be funny because there are several instances of dark humor in this i think that was supposed to be dark humor that's how I read it. I mean, it, at it's least. definitely the the setup and punchline on paper is definitely funny, but I felt like that guy's delivery didn't feel like it was as well fair. acted. At yeah, all. yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit exaggerated, even for the humor of it. No, I I agree with that. Thank, um, thank you. One moment I really liked is where the the big man, <laughs> dude, <laughs> I can't retain shit. Um, is like looking up over the trenches, and then. There's this pack of soldiers like carrying an in- injured soldier behind them, and he just isn't paying attention at all. Just like doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I think that was that was a moment of dark humor that worked for me. Um, um, similar too was when Kirk Douglas is like trying to get the guys to go back over the side of the trench, and then he climbs the ladder, and then like a dead guy falls on top of him and rolls yeah. off of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was great. Yeah, and I really loved the over the top scene. Um, that's what they call it, right? Over the something. Yeah, I think they do call it over the top. Yeah. I realized when I said that, it, it sounds like I was saying it's over the top, but <laughs> the scene where they go over the top um, oh, wow. <laughs> into no man's land, I loved that scene a lot too. I loved all the shadows in that scene and the way that they set it up, like the set was super cool and looked very realistic and just, it was a different series of a lot of different tracking shots of them going through these shadows. And I loved when... They're doing like the reconnaissance mission and they get to the area where they're trying to investigate and the one guy's just sitting there and then you see like a flash from one of the flares and then it illuminates all these dead bodies that were there the whole time and that before that happened, I just assumed it was rocks and stuff. Like I didn't make out that it was dead bodies, but after the flash happens and it goes back to the same lighting, you can then tell where all the bodies are. And that was really cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that stuck out to me. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite moments for sure. Yeah. It it really, I think that this makes sense that Kubrick got, um, I think this is probably his like first big-ish movie, I think, depending on when Lolita came out. Yeah, I think this is the one that I think, um, yeah. made him famous. It's because it was sort of, uh, I don't think unprecedented, but very uncommon to see films like this at the time. Yeah, like something so anti-war and like anti-government. Yeah, I mean, albeit it was in France, but you can obviously yeah. still apply it to <laughs> other places. It's funny that it's not even. Um, I mean, it is like anti-war, but it's it's very specific in what aspect of war it is against. It's very mm, right, like the bureaucracy yeah, yeah. and power struggle within the actual ranks. Yeah, and I love that it didn't. I love that most of the soldiers were shown in a fairly positive light. The ones in the front lines. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times with anti-war movies, you focus on how it turns good people bad, which is, you know, I think also valid and, uh, you know, a good theme. See Saving Private Ryan. But I think with this one, it was more the soldiers were good people trying to that actually wanted to fight for their country. And this bureaucratic hierarchy is what was literally killing them, um, even more so than the enemies. Yeah. Just they're being trapped in that 
that hierarchy, that that struggle for power on their own side, yeah. just screwing them all over. Because I really liked, this feeds into it too, I really liked when um, the general tries to make the call to have them fire on their own people to make them leave the trenches. And several times the receiver says, no, we need a signed order. We're not going to fire on our own people. And everybody with him is on the same page too. Yeah. I liked that a lot because it shows like they have morals. They are trying to do the right thing. And it's just their power hungry bosses that are the real problem. Yeah, well, it it really does a great job. And I'm trying to find the budget here. I am having a hard time kind of finding it. But I did get the sense that like it's very economic, it feels like in, in mm, how yeah. it definitely I mean, I don't know at what point it feels like I know later Kubrick was famous for doing like fifty takes of stuff, but I feel like probably at this yeah. point he probably didn't have the budget to do that, but Or like the the recognition. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. But um it was definitely just impressive with the use it almost felt a little bit like a play with just how there was like very few mm. actual settings and scene, not so much few scenes, but there were very few just, just um, locations in the movie. Yeah. But I love that he had the like very distinct utilization of like pretty much the whole time you're in the trenches, you're like at war or you're like in a very destitute and like anxious situation. And then yeah. you have these like incredibly calm scenes where these guys are just like dining and fi- like having wine and fine food and and these very yeah. quiet, very ornate rooms. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I like that too. That contrast. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I really liked just how he uh, utilized the actual sets to reflect that change in tone throughout the mm. throughout the movie. I thought that worked really well. Yeah, because the trenches are so cramped just by nature, and the locations for the the rich people are so grandiose and huge yeah. uh, like even the courtroom is just this huge fucking empty palace looking room yeah no that is interesting i like that but yeah i liked coming back to the court scene i like that a lot i like the performance of the defendant um he's a general uh, dude fucking <laughs> i don't know i wonder if this is like a medical condition if i have like a fucking because I can't remember names ever. Yeah, I think it's called like cabin fever. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Dude. That scene was great though. I, I love the dialogue in that scene. I like that kind of courtroom stuff. I think that's why I like... Um, it reminded me of 12 Angry Men right. in a lot of ways. So that movie's just, that movie's great. Next time we do a movies we've seen before episode, I think I'm going to pick that. That's one of the, just the greatest of all time. The goats. But going through like these logical progressions... Finding holes in the other person's argument. I think that stuff is just always fun. I don't think this was super exceptional. I just like that. Yeah. It was really good, but I, I can't think of a reason why it was like incredible. I just, I think I just like stuff like that. Just tickles you. It does. But I did like the, the set of that scene where he's just this one guy in this huge room yeah. with this panel of people who are in higher power than him. There's nothing he can really do. Yeah. There's a lot of great. Usage I notice, especially in the scenes when they're examining the defendants, and there's like a lot of reverse shots showing mm-hmm. the defendant, and then like there's so they're in the very very foreground, and there's a lot of space behind them, and there's a lot of um, it's like a really wide angle, so you get this feeling of just like there's all this all these people and like all this space behind them, and, it, and it's just mm-hmm. like a very anxious shot. Because you feel yeah. like something's going to happen. Like it, it feels very like he's so unaware of what's going on around Yeah, him. like something creeping up on yeah, him. Yeah. Like it's right behind you. Yeah. Like that sort of feeling. And that guy yeah. was like so... I really liked how 
some of his acting when he like had to cry was not that good. The the like sleepy eyed mm-hmm. guy, but yeah. just his look, his like very distinct look, and his kind of um like Andre the Giant demeanor was like yeah. you know he. I think they played him very well. Where it's not like he's he's not like dumb or like mentally challenged, but he's definitely kind mm. of like slow and just kind of like this. He's definitely he's so like gentle feeling, even though he's so kind of large but he feels like he's very vulnerable all the time and i really like that yeah yeah i thought his performance was a standout for sure and um this was written by kubrick as well right yeah he i think he usually writes with somebody else yeah yeah that's right that's right that is right that's right (laughs) well i know he did that for 2001 he wrote with um i forget his name but very influential sci-fi writer anyway i felt like he did a great job of writing very distinct character voices. Mm-hmm. Distinct. Dude, I say that so much. What'd you say? Zenith? Zenith. I feel like it was this. I felt like, is it that? I think it's Zenith. <laughs> sure. It can be either. Either or. Yeah. yeah, bro. This was the Zenith of character voices, if you will, you know? But no, I feel like that character, especially the way that he was talking to the higher ups, he was being as respectful as he could, but there was this feeling of casualness, casualness in his voice that wasn't there for other characters. I like that a lot. And the way his facial expressions too, where he was a lot more expressive about how ridiculous what they were asking was. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really good. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. It's, it's a, I really like the development of that scene where his kind of demeanor goes from like the whole time he's arguing, he starts at his arguments very, you know, as if they're in a court of law which is supposed to be in and he uses yeah um just like pretty effective uh, but empirical arguments and then by the end of it he's just kind of like he's clearly appealing to the emotional side of it because he's like this isn't even a real courtroom yeah it's like, this is yeah you're right that's cool you have a little arc in that one little section i like that a lot that's really cool zenith, zenith. i heard zenith zenith, zenith? hold, hold on. on zenith Zenith. Yeah, okay. That reminds me, there's a great yeah, yeah. video on YouTube called How to Pronounce Turmeric. And uh-huh. it's a video, and it's like five seconds long, and it's just the word, the text of the word turmeric on... Sorry, turmeric? Tur- so, so <laughs> it is it is spelled turmeric. Everybody says turmeric. But the video says turmeric on it, and then the, it's just the audio is the guy going, turmeric. And it's like 80% dislikes, and all the comments <laughs> are like, <laughs> how the fuck can you do this? When it's right so in front funny. of you, it's so funny. I feel like when I think of how that word is spelled, there's no R after the E. I believe there is, but I think it's one of those things where it's, I don't know, your brain like overwrites it. Yeah, well, so many people say turmeric, so. Yeah, that you just don't even think about it. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, wow, there's a speech on you're it. A little bit of a, you're, li- you're a little bit of a, a pedant, Tyler. A pedant. You're a little pedant. Yeah, you're a little pedant. Pedant. Peditank. <laughs> Adonta. Anyway, <laughs> no, I think we're. I think we probably finished the discussion, though, right? Yeah, I think so too. Okay, let's do a quick rate out of ten. Yeah, um, um, I think seven and a half for me. Yeah, I'd give it. I'd give it probably a seven. Uh, I really liked it. Word. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was just impressive that it kind of really it handled two tones really effectively and, and shifted well between them. And um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, thought it was good. Cool. All right, guys, we'll be right back with your more important better movie casino royale we'll be right back that's a that's our outro all right 
guys, we're back from the PP break, ready to talk about Casino Royale. Tyler, let's hear your quick impressions on this one. Yeah, uh, as someone who grew up with the Pierce Brosnan movies, I've you know I'm, I'm a little more accustomed to like the kooky side of Bond stuff with the wacky gadgets and shit. And I was always a bigger fan of the video games anyway. But I found this movie to be have a nice mix of like some of that, but with a good uh, you know gritty realism that wasn't overplayed when it came out in like 2006. 19 seconds, kind of long. But. Um, all right, I like this movie a lot. Um, I thought the action was great. I thought it was very moment to moment. Um, very different from a lot of the messy action, more is more stuff that you see now. Um, I thought the dialogue was punchy. It wasn't perfect, but I had a lot of fun with it. 17 seconds. Um, Word. So I have never seen the Pierce Brosnan ones. You have to check them out. They're, they're almost all of them are so bad. They're good. And then die another day is just so bad, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Cause when I was a kid, that was like my favorite one. Mm. Um, yeah. But- it's funny how that happens. Yeah, I think I think Pierce Brosnan started started them like either in ninety seven or like ninety nine. I think GoldenEye mm. came out maybe even a little before us. GoldenEye's got a great theme song though. Oh yeah, I and, bet. And, and and is so bad it's good. Yeah, um, I do want to check him out. I do like the kind of ridiculous spy stuff too. Yeah, I mean it's like the perfect James. But it was almost like they took a page out of Austin Powers mm. and they were just yeah. like, yeah, you know what? Let's make. Austin Powers more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't seen. I've seen scenes from Austin Powers, but I haven't seen the the full movies. Are they worth it? It's okay. Yeah, you probably you, you probably won't like them. I don't think. I mean, it's, it's like disaster movie. No, scary it's way movie. Way better than disaster <laughs> movie. <laughs> Epic movie, dude. That was peak two thousands right there. Epic wow. movie. I can't believe that was allowed to exist, and it made so a lot funny. of money every time. Yeah, they always did well. So funny, dude. I respect it, honestly. Like almost, I mean, almost respect it, dude. I I absolutely would do that. Like, do you want to? Would you? It's like, would you sell your soul for a hundred million dollars four <laughs> right. times? Like, yes, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> easily. Yeah, easily. I'll fork that thing right over. Yeah, really. Yeah, but. dude. I liked the theme song a lot for this one too. I, I it was didn't great. that much. Oh, I liked I the it. I liked the opening animation a lot, but I I well not not a lot. I liked it though, but I didn't like the um a song that much i liked it i don't know it was it was sort of like alt rock but it, it worked for me like chris cornell yeah i thought it was like u2 or something <laughs> it's better than u2 come on i'll bet you i'll bet you a a venmo dollar that this song was written by u2 honestly i'll it, Dude, it was so chris like cornell U2. it's not u2 who's chris cornell he's from um oh, i'm forgetting the band right now oh yeah he was that guitarist from u2 right <laughs> looks like you owe me a dollar bullshit um Soundgarden and Audio Slave. Soundgarden? Yeah. Is that what I think it is, or is that what I not don't think it is? Isn't I think Soundgarden it's what you think from it like is. the 70s? Um Soundgarden. 84. 80s. Yeah. Grunge. It definitely had that grunge feel to it. I'm thinking of Soft Machine. Soft Grunge, I guess. Soft Machine came out in 66. Yeah. But anyway. Um I yeah. thought it was good. I liked it a lot. I, I didn't, but I think that's a matter of taste. Yeah, I just have more refined. Yeah, you like guitar riffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not like ambient um, sounds with streams over it, so <laughs> you probably go. wouldn't like it. Or like really high pitched noises just going back and forth for a very long time. 
If that was in a David Lynch movie, you would be you would be praising. Oh, the shit I mean, out it, of is. it is. It is <laughs> yeah. a David Lynch movie. Yeah, the uh, Akira. <laughs> speaking of a loud screaming, the band that did the Akira soundtrack, Geno Yamashiragumi, mm-hmm. is sick, and they have some really great albums that are mostly I believe screaming. It. I and, believe uh, it. It's great. I fuck <laughs> so that good. kind of stuff. Um, anyway, um, check out oh, speaking oh, of the- oh so raison oh so raison. I won't. Speaking of. The intro to that movie, I loved the first scene so much. It was just so stylized and so heavy noir. And I was kind of hoping the whole movie would be like that. But (laughs) that scene was great. Yeah. So great. Because I I feel like you could tell that the the director like wanted to do something like that. And like had to dial it back a little bit. But they like, you got to do the opening like that. And I, I loved it. And the dialogue in that scene too, I felt like was the like the best in the movie. Where I, the guy, I, I love the moment. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I love the moment where he's doing the flashback to killing his first guy. And then he like, and it looks like he isn't going to kill him. And then he like whips around. It goes right into the bond shooting the, uh, you know, the classic, like yeah. he's in the scope kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I thought that, that was too. such so cheeky and like kind so of stupid, great. but like great. So <laughs> sick. So great. Yeah. 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 I love that too, where it's switching between their quiet conversation and him just fucking up this other guy. Yeah. Um, and I love the line too, where he's like, he's about to say like, oh, the second one is always, and he just shoots him. He's like, yeah, yeah. it is much easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. stuff like that. Um, and the black and white, I felt like, worked so well for that scene too yeah yeah just a, yeah. I, I like the whole intro a lot i thought it was a really good exciting way to get into it yeah and then they jump right into that like 12 minute long chase scene which is also so incredible cool. yeah. yeah dude that's what i mean like i feel like with a lot of marvel movies and just big blockbusters in general the action scenes are just there's so much going on that i feel like it doesn't feel like anything's going on yeah that's how i felt especially um with the most recent Star Wars movies. Here we go again. And yep. <laughs> Rise I'm of Skywalker, especially where in the lightsaber duels, they keep cutting so quickly that you can't see anything. It's like nothing is happening because they're just throwing their lightsabers around and it literally cuts like every two seconds at certain points. Yeah. And, and they made up like a bunch of different rules for fighting anyway. Like with that, oh yeah, like Ray can just like phase solid objects through space and time. Wait, what? Remember, she like hands Kylo because the, they introduced that like <laughs> if they if they occupy the same like dreamscape, which yeah. is like what the fuck? That's some anime shit right there. Honestly, I know, that's right? Some shit you're gonna Absolutely. see like and and he just she just like hands him the lightsaber. I forgot about that. Klein insane, space, dude. which I don't know what that is, but it was an Evangelion term. Fucking so. insane. Yeah, that was completely ridiculous. But anyway, I hate that like messy, quick edit, shaky cam, um, action stuff. Yeah. I love because editing in an action scene, like you should cut with rhythm to make different moves um have more impact. And they did that very well in this, where they would cut to like show an impact or when somebody jumps and then lands, they'll cut to the land to make it feel more punchy. And like the mm-hmm. rhythm goes with the action. I feel like in every shot, in that sequence especially, you're always, there's one thing happening, but it was a bunch of those in a row. 
but you could always keep track of what was going on while you still had that high energy. It reminded me of of um, the approach to action in Raiders of the Lost Ark, actually. That's a movie that I love so much because it perfects that technique of moment-to-moment action that is very clear and always um, dynamic, but still really exciting and rhythmic. And I loved how parkour-y yes. that whole segment yes. was. It really Just gave pulling me a off crazy moves to I the like it. to the like mid to late two thousands craze with the with parkour that yeah ever. remember like two thousand five to like two thousand nine everyone was just like super into parkour yeah I do very <laughs> much remember and then it went nowhere Park, but, parkour and planking yeah <laughs> the duality of man yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they weren't afraid to kind of I know this is a thing that I think Raiders does too especially in the fight with the uh, guy on the plane. Yeah. It, they're not afraid to cut to like wider shots that show the scene more, I feel like, because mm, yeah. it's what what annoys me a lot about those action scenes you're referring to where nothing works and they're cutting all the time. It's like not only are they cutting all the time, but it's all just like so tight and shaky cam. Yeah. You have no sense of the scene. Yeah. And I, this is something that's weighed on my chest for a long time. I'm finally going to say it. Go ahead. Uh, the end of the Dark Knight when he's like punching the Joker and leaves him hanging. It does that, and it always pissed me off. I was Interesting. Like, I haven't it, seen that in a while. It, I I remember watching that, and I was just like, it's really dark. I can't tell who who these people are, and it pissed me off. But anyway, yeah. Hold on. I'm, quick side note, actually, that made me think of this. I rewatched Inception last week. I think yeah, last week, and I didn't think it was very good. Like it was I have not seen decent, it, but for me, it was like, I used to love that movie when I was younger for re- like rewatching it. I thought it was like a six, like it was good. Like it was above average, but it wasn't anything exceptional and just felt kind of pseudo intellectual a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's worth seeing just to, there's yeah. cool stuff that goes on in it. But I think the issue for me was that I had seen it like two times when I was younger and then rewatching it, knowing what happens, it's really not that interesting. Yeah, I you mean, know? I've I've seen the behind the scenes footage of that scene that they did with the turning hallway. Which oh, is that sick. scene! That scene. Every time I see it, I fucking love it. Yeah, I mean that's that scene so is cool. great. That is so dope. I love that. Yeah, and I like to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt get work because I'm a <laughs> I'm a big fan of Third Rock from the Sun. If anybody's seen that, Derek. I don't even know what that is. It was an old, I probably wouldn't watch it now, but it's an oldish, it's like a 90s sitcom with like him, John Lithgow, I think French Stewart, and Newman from mm. Seinfeld. Oh, okay. It probably wasn't that good, but in terms of sitcoms, it was good. Yeah, and, I like uh, it. Yeah, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fun. So yeah. Anyway, go. back to this movie. Yeah, just a great action sequence. And I think you are right that it balanced those rhythmic close-up cuts with wider views of the scene. That's something that Mission Impossible does a lot too. Mm-hmm. It def- this to me felt like it was probably inspired by Mission Impossible, just in that sort of, um, especially how the first movie is. Well, no, I think the first movie, the first Mission Impossible movie is, is better than um, this. But again, that approach of like kind of campy, but also kind of takes itself serious a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about this movie. And so it, it felt like a similar approach in a lot of ways, which makes me happy. I'm happy you're happy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, well, I had not seen this movie. I have seen Skyfall, which... I saw that when it came out. Yeah, me too. I, I thought was 
good but a little overhyped because the plot was a little convenient at times but was really but was really good but also okay I, I, this is going to sound way like I don't like Skyfall as much as I do because I did like it a good amount. But when they were selling the movie when with the like, trailers and stuff, they made a huge deal about the fact that like Bond like dies, quote unquote, mm. or like is like maybe dead, but obviously not dead. Right. The, and I was like, OK, but that'll be cool to see how that affects stuff for like a little bit before they obviously bring him back. And then like in the next scene, he's back. Oh really? In the opening, yeah, and, and remember he's like in that fight on the top of the train, and then his assistant. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Which okay, I'm getting super off track now. But can I? I've said this before on the podcast. I think once bring back fights on tops of trains. I agree. Hey, watch Mission Impossible. I'm down. <laughs> the I, very I, first movie. Every single movie I watch for the rest of my life could have a completely unrelated scene of two unrelated characters fighting on top of a train, and I it would not detract from the I score that I give it. I support that 100%. I don't think we've <laughs> ever agreed more on anything. I'm totally with you. Dude, I was playing the new Ratchet & Clank game. I beat that a month or two ago. Time doesn't have any meaning right now. Right. And there's a whole level where you're fighting on a train and you're like progressing along the train cars as you're like fighting all these guys. It's mad fun. Oh, and of course, Uncharted has like a crazy chains, uh, train sequence. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen those games are that. so fun. It just, it makes you feel like you're in these kind of movies, those games. I love yeah. it. I used to any, any kind of environment where you can beat up people, but you can toss them off of things is like my yes. favorite. And I remember yes. I would play the old, I think Spider-Man two video game. And I would like only fight. I would try my best to like only find bad guys that were on top of roofs. Yeah. So that I could just kick them off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were doing that in the, the new version we were playing. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, much that fun. was a cool game. I wish yeah. I played more of that. Yeah. I don't have the, um, I might buy like a, a, a copy of it because my little brothers own the copy I was playing. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I beat it, but it's, I want to play it again. Uh, by the way, I can hear the children in your basement screaming. Yeah, they they're just hungry. I think it's past. Must have um, eaten something. Yeah, you know. They didn't leave any food down there. <laughs> what are they eating? It's plenty of asbestos down there. I, I bet. Anyway, asbestos. Um, as was it asbestos? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, asbestos can be. Hey, I'm saying it like a normal human. <laughs> um. And if I'm remembering What's correctly, <laughs> in, Unch- <Okay>. in Uncharted, <laughs> no, no, I'm coming back to this. Nathan Drake do, says there's asbestos. a big guy. Shut the fuck up. In <laughs> uh, the train level, after you do all the shooting and stuff, the last part is this huge guy that you fight, like fist fight. Mm-hmm. And as you're going, you have to like duck like train signs that are coming through and shit. So it's like, it's that kind of scene. Yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> but that. But you're in it. So much fun. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to this. But Skyfall, you're saying the train scene like they fake you out oh yeah well he's fighting this guy and then he gets shot by his partner who's providing support with a sniper and then she accidentally mm. shoots him and he falls and then like is sky falls dead it's true <laughs> he falls out of the sky and then he's presumed dead uh and then but then he's just like alive but they don't really go into detail of like how he survived which is fine yeah but right. also it's like it was a huge deal that it happened because it was their entire ad campaign mm, was that's like weird. James Bond gets shot and then it's like didn't didn't end up mattering at all. I feel like whenever there's an advertising campaign for a blockbuster where it's something like that, you just know automatically that it's actually not going to have any real significance. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see that and you're like, oh, OK, so he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, OK, well, you shouldn't have because it's like with movies like Blade Runner 
2049 that have to like... Uh, I've never seen Blade Runner. They, well, they have to like... <laughs> They, Wait, they 2049 to, I actually haven't seen. I saw yeah, that. another the, vibe, but I've I've heard I haven't seen that, the original either. I've heard that it had to kind of lie during its Wish ad I campaign to seem more action oriented um mm. because it you know wasn't, but it had scenes with guns, so the whole trailer was comprised of scenes with guns, but that I feel you know more lenient with cuz it's like fine. yeah. Yeah, you have to try and pull people in to make your budget work, but like James Bond doesn't have to lie and say that it's action-filled when yeah. it's a James Bond movie, so know. it always confused me. I mean, we're just going to go see it no matter what. Yeah. It's not like I wasn't going to go, and then I'm like, well, he might die, though, so now yeah. I have to see it. Yeah, exactly. Like, If you're going to go see the latest James Bond movie, you're going to go see the latest James Bond movie. Yeah. You don't have to bullshit it. So, anyway, but, um, yeah, I, the, I, the crane chase is fantastic. So cool. So, so good. So cool. Yeah, I love that whole sequence. It's such a great way to start off the movie too. Like you said, just get right into it and just start with a really exciting, just like all of like the first 20 minutes of that movie is just from from the black and white character intro through that. It's just so cool. I love all of that. I also really like the overall structure of this movie. Mm-hmm. I like how once they get to the Casino Royale, you have that card game as this central piece that they keep returning to. And in between... You know, they take like bathroom breaks, meal breaks or whatever. In between, you have all this crazy shit happening. You have Bond and the villain always trying to pull shit against each other. And then they have to come back to the card table and have this civil thing with the whole dynamic of what's been going on around it, sort of influencing the game. So I thought that was really cool to have to come back to this like very quiet, professional setting in between these crazy things that are happening. I thought that was a really cool concept. Yeah, kind of like has glory a little bit with that tone shifting a little bit a yeah. little bit but i feel like this was this was pretty distinct and that it's like returning to the same location over and over and like having the game progress as like a parallel to what's going on yeah i did i i really enjoyed i think the, one of the things that i enjoyed most about this was how the <laughs> you know it wasn't like it goes all the way to the top but it was cool how bond <laughs> is squaring off against this guy who was like kind of also fighting for his life mm. and and it's not like it makes him Simple. Well, wait, what do you... Oh, because of, like, the because, terrorist that's coming yeah. after him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, people are coming for their money because he's he's gambling with their funds. Right. But um, it's just cool that, like, the, the, the bad guy has a motive that is, like, very real and human and is not just, I'm evil, you know? Yeah, although he was funding terrorists, but... I mean, he is evil, but right, he's, right. He's, his There's life is a little is bit of line. complexity. Yeah, 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 I agree. I also, I liked... So the ending, I liked parts of, and then some of it didn't work for me. And actually, for the audience at home, uh, I told you this, Tyler, but I realized in like the last 30 minutes of this movie that I have seen this movie before years ago when I was in like high school. And I, for some reason, I didn't remember until like 20 minutes till the end. But when they do, when there's that twist that Money Penny is double crosses him, I liked that concept a lot, but... I kind of wish it hadn't then come back to like, oh, she double crossed you because she loved you. Yeah, I, I was, agree. Yeah, I liked it way more when it was just, oh, she double crosses him. Like, yeah. oh, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah, try and tie that in. I also think it makes the struggle to save her like more poetic and interesting because it would mean like even even though he knows she like fucked him over, he's still in love with her and like wants to save yeah. her anyway. That would make right. it more painful. Well, at that point, I think that 
that is what he thinks, I think, right? He uh, so far because yeah. I think then he goes Possibly. and talks to um was it M, right? Yeah, and then she's like, she had a boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I don't care, I don't care. Yeah. I was confused by uh, that, but um But she's like, oh, but she really did love you, but then she was being threatened, and I forget what the rationale was, but it did seem sort of bending over backwards to make the love story still real, genuine yeah yeah where i think like it yeah way cooler because a lot of what this movie got praised for was being closer to the fleming novels which are like darker mm. and and meaner um and i think that would have been darker and meaner not not to say that that necessarily makes it better yeah but for the tone that it's going for i think in this movie it would because it would be more consistent yeah it sort of seemed like that I don't know. This is speculation, but could have been an executive choice of, oh, audiences want a love story. So we need to make sure that the love story is still genuine. Yeah. You know, because it did feel kind of like tacked on to justify Well, it's funny it. because, yeah, I, I remember when I was watching it, I, the, the love story segment was going on for a long time. And I was just like, hmm. And I, I clicked pause real quick and there was still like 20 minutes in the movie. And I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's well, okay then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing too, is it would have been, cause they do spend a lot of time between, they spend so much time of both of them sort of like lowering their walls to each other and learning to trust each other, especially bond. And I think it would have been so much more cool if his trust was just completely violated, you know, right. like cool for him as a character to have that arc towards trusting again and then all of a sudden have this complete like 180 and would you know kind of you know vindicate his abusive nature towards women in general yeah i agree that's the thing too is it sort of cheapened her as a character i felt like because i actually liked her character quite a bit i felt like it was that you know i I felt like it was a strong female character in a genuine way that didn't feel like you know girl power like it felt like a legitimately like good strong female character yeah and then that happens it's like oh it would have been cooler to just have her be a villain i think and because he doesn't treat her that well either he treats her well, he kind of does i mean he he does because she's able to sort of push back yeah well if I she mean, didn't then he'd just be treating her like shit you know the, but but the scene after he kills those guys and she's like huddled in the shower yeah and he goes in He's a little uh, when he like sucks on her fingers, but then I didn't get that. That was fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of <laughs> odd. Fuck? But then like he, yeah. yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but I was the big. I was a big fan of the scene in general because it was like a really interesting portrayal. Because normally that's the point where Bond is like, "All right, take off your clothes." Uh, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been nice knowing you for two hours. Like, yeah. No, he sits with her in the shower, and then they wake up in different beds, so they didn't, you know. Oh, I don't even pick up on that. That's interesting. Um, So that's a good catch. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool deconstruction. That's not too like in your face and how it's deconstructing Bond. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt with most of this movie. Honestly, I felt like it was surprisingly subtle for the type of movie it is. At least more subtle than you would than you see in most blockbusters. Yeah. So I like that. I think there was some cleverness in the writing, and there was some. Some of the dialogue was just serviceable. Some of it was pretty punchy and clever mm-hmm. i like that too so yeah i mean there's a good amount that i really liked about this i just had a lot of fun i really like these kinds of movies that just know what they are pull it off great and you know aren't condescending or overly simplistic it's just is what it is and it's a good time i love stuff like that 
Yeah, it, it definitely had the the action of something more surface level and that like serviceable entertainment, but I did feel like it you know, it wasn't like a deep dive, but it definitely had a little more meat to it than most Bond movies. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean but even with the action though, like we were saying, the way that it's shot is way is like leagues yeah. above what most other blockbusters do as well. You know, I think making a good action sequence can be just as challenging as making a good dramatic scene. Um, and I think it pulled off the action sequences very well too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the final, the, the final scene with him, like I really loved the set piece of like the sinking house. Mm, um, yeah. That, I like that, that a lot that, too. Yeah. That was, that was great. The sinking of the domestic sphere. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, no, I love it. And there's like a gunfight in the house while it's sinking. I love that. that whole yeah, sequence. it's so cool. I yeah. love shit like that. So much fun. Oh, yeah, that felt like an uncharted level. Like something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it made me think of there's this level in maybe it's two or three where you're on a sinking ship. And like as you fight, it's just like starting to flood and like windows are breaking. It's just super cool. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of that sort of thing where you have to balance like preserving your own life and getting out as quick as possible with not getting shot by these other people it's a really cool dynamic i always love stuff like that you have to shoot while also not getting shot (laughs) and avoiding the sinking house you're on right 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 how could i forget that (laughs) it's another element of danger some would say yeah but it's i'm trying to think i thought the ending of the very last scene was kind of weird just in that like remind me what that scene was i think mr white is the name of the guy who like picks up the suitcase and like brings it to some look because he's he's kind of the guy that she's like working for but is also you know oh yeah i do remember i do remember and then james bond just shows up and like fucks him up and i thought that was kind of like because i thought the it was a cool ending with that like that kind of dark twist with that was just like you know the bad guy of the movie got what he deserved but the overall bad like you know enter new bad guy and sets up for the next movie mm. but then in the very last scene he like catches that guy too and i was kind of like okay i would have rather had the cliffhanger because now this is just like over <laughs> i don't know i kind of like that scene I, I don't know that didn't stand out to me as as an issue i don't know because i like the idea of him because i think it was that he was they were tracking his phone right and then he calls him to make sure it's the guy and it, it like it's like is this yeah is this so and so he's like yeah and he fucking it's <laughs> like all right no i'm not comes i'm not out saying for the kill my my issue with it is not like how it connects. It connects fine, yeah. but I just thought yeah, yeah, it, yeah. how it in, in after she died and she, it shows the shot of the guy leaving with the suitcase. I'm like, oh fuck, like, yeah, I see. This is a great setup, and then it kind of just it, it, in the last ten minutes it sets up this thing that is then you know already um, it comes to completion before the last ten minutes is up. Like it's it's it was kind of just like it felt kind of empty because I was like I don't know this guy and he kind of just entered. And I think was, that works though because. Bond movies tend to be standalone. So I think that's why they would do it. Like they wanted to tie up the loose end. Wasn't Spectre, isn't Spectre kind of like the organization that's kind of like behind most things in the Bond movies though? Yeah, but I think like there's always like a, a overarching plot, but each each one, would like you could watch any of them isolated and know what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's why they, I, I, I don't think they wanted, I mean, I haven't seen um, Quantum of Solace. I will. Rather but I. so I don't know if they set it up direct sequel at all. But if I'm remembering correctly, Skyfall was standalone for the most part. Yeah. Skyfall yeah. was like completely detached. 
Yeah. So I think that's, uh, I would imagine that um, Quantum of Solace is the same way. I think that's why they would wrap it up just because that's sort of the nature of Bond movies. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I don't have a problem with this movie being standalone. It was more just the fact that it seemed like a setup for another movie and it was a setup for the last like eight to 10 minutes of the movie. Mm. And it didn't really like feel like it was developed into much of a moment besides his like, besides him being like, I'm Bond. And like coming into the James Bond character. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like I like seeing him come into the character too. Um, oh, that's another thing too. I loved how ruthless his character was for a lot of the movie. Just really like murdering people without really caring about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he, yeah sorry, you go. Yeah. Because I think, again, a lot of times with um, action movies, you have the hero who's wiping out just so many people, but you're supposed to think that it's okay. But with this, just because of how brutally he kills people, you definitely yeah. get the feeling that like, okay, he is this this absolutely ruthless killer. Yeah. And is trying to become, or through Money Penny is sort of becoming more humanized. I really liked in the in the intro scene when he gets the embassy, he like grabs somebody and uses him as a meat shield, but he's just dragging him like so carelessly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just like this guy's getting mangled and he just doesn't give a shit. I like that stuff a lot, that he was just so brutal. Yeah, and he just, at the end of that embassy set, set piece, he throws this human shield guy away and then just shoots him anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> like, it doesn't actually matter because he's just going to kill him anyway. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely like a big moment. That came out of left field for me. I kind of was like, whoa. Yeah. Had a little bit of a, had to clutch my pearls a little bit. Yeah. Um, cause I was not expecting that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if there's anything else I want to really say about this. I don't know. You got anything else? No, I just, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, uh, it was a good injection of that kind of, you know, grittier, uh, stuff that started getting popular around that 2006, 2007 time period, but yeah. then got like so overplayed. Yeah. I feel like that's right. kind of why Marvel got so popular. Or did so well with that style because they like went more comic, well not comic booky because comic books can be violent, but yeah, I know what you mean though. Yeah, yeah, because I remember actually the first Iron Man was kind of gritty. Yeah, it was. I mean, I rewatched that movie, um, I think last year, and I didn't really like it. I'd always oh, yeah. said like, oh yeah, I mean the first Iron Man is good though, and I watched it and it was kind of boring. It was. Oh yeah. I think I just, probably because all the movies that followed it, you know, it's like the same formula. Yeah. I remember but it watching was, it like the cave scenes. Yeah, the scenes when he, well, the scene when he gets captured and like everyone in his convoy gets like murdered. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. I yeah, there were like, good damn. parts for sure. And this was two thousand seven, so I was like, "Damn, I support those troops." You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> it was cool back then. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hey, thanks for listening to Talkie Talk, guys. <laughs> Next week, my pick, Tyler. Have you seen? I'm thinking of ending things yet. No, I think that just came out, right? It just came out. And um, keeping with the trend of relevancy, considering the recent events in Iran six months ago, I've chosen, <laughs> Nate, have you seen Persepolis? No. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm excited. I've never heard of that movie, but I'm excited to find out. It was, I remember it was really heavily advertised in Video Horizons, which was our old haunt, our old uh, Dude, video rental store. I miss it so I much. I always thought I was going to work in uh, at there when I was in high school and then it closed when I was in middle school. So sad. I miss those places. So but it is a French 
uh, animated movie about a, I think it's kind of like a memoir of a girl growing up during the Iranian uh, Islamic Revolution and the years afterwards. So it sounds shit. really interesting. Yeah. And uh, I've been looking to watch it for a long time, but I haven't, and now I can. Yeah, so. getting some thematic heavy hitters here, boys. Ooh. All right, guys, yeah, thank cool. you for listening. If you haven't followed us yet on uh, Apple Podcasts, please do. Rate us a five out of five. No four star bullshit. Follow our social media at Talkie Talk Cast. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And um, send us an email at talkytalkcast at gmail.com. It's the only way we'll have any contact with you. And don't forget that we love you very much. We love you so much. California's burning. <laughs> They're putting spies in the hey, drinking water. Hey, we don't water. need to talk I've about that. It. We don't need to talk about I've that. I've seen it. I've seen the men. They crawl out of the corner of my eye when I'm sleeping. Keep it on the down low. I've seen it. All right, guys. We'll see, you. Wide open. we'll see you next week. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs>